We have special guests we want to introduce you to today before I preach. Our son Daniel and his wife Caitlin and our grandson Waylon Wesley are right over there. So we want to welcome them. <laughs> B and Bert, thank you for that song. I love to hear you sing and play. What a treasure they are to have them here. It's Thanksgiving weekend. And last week we preached on Thanksgiving. And this week we're going to preach on something even greater than Thanksgiving. You can imagine that. There's something that's greater than Thanksgiving. There's a woman whose name was Anne who was a, was a farm girl. But her earliest memory was very, very sad. She, her, memory, her earliest memory was of her sister's violent death uh, due to an accident on the farm. And she carried that terrible memory into her adulthood. And it really troubled her soul. She was so troubled, in fact, that it was, it was hard for her to even leave the house. And she, she wrestled with a very, very dark depression. A friend of hers said to her, Anne, maybe you should start a journal of, of some of your favorite things. Just, just write down some of your favorite things and try to get a list of, of hundreds of things that are favorite things to you. And so Anne took her journal and she began to write down favorite things. After a while, she realized this wasn't a journal of favorite things. This was a journal of thanksgiving. And she began to write a thousand things she was thankful for, and it transformed her life. And some of you probably know I'm talking about a woman who's become very well known in a ministry that she has. Her name is Anne Voskamp. She's a Canadian farmer's wife, and, and uh, she's been used to bless hundreds of thousands of people, has a book called A Thousand Gifts, which talks about the power of thanksgiving. I really love this time of the year. You know, you, 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 autumn is like that guest that you look forward to having come and be with you, and they always want to leave too early. And you stand in the road and you wave goodbye when it goes away, and you think, I'm really going to miss you, autumn. And you know that winter is coming, and it's going to get really cold and maybe a little slippery, and the heating bill is going to go up. So I have something special for you. Today I want you to imagine that you heat with wood. And I want you to imagine that you're sitting there as autumn has waved goodbye and winter is, is coming quickly and you're looking at your wood pile and you're thinking, do I have enough wood to make it through a cold winter? And then along with some friends, we come along with a big truck just full of wood and we start piling it on your back porch all split just right, cut just right, seasoned firewood stacked on your back porch. That's the way I'd like you to see what I'm going to gift you with today, and that is a teaching on Psalm 145 and the beauty of something that's even greater than thanksgiving. Psalm 145 through Psalm 150, the last six of the Psalms have a common theme and they rise to a crescendo here at the very end in Psalm 150. And when I read Psalm 150, and we'll do that aloud and then speak on one Psalm 145. When I, when I read Psalm 150 to you, some of you who are really sharp, you might pick up on the theme of the last 80 verses of the Psalter. Psalm 145 through Psalm 150. 80 verses have a similar theme. Let's just read Psalm 150 and we'll see who the smart people are that can figure this out. Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. 
Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, did anybody pick up on the theme of this? Yeah, it's praise, isn't it? It's praise for the Lord. And you'll see that all the way from Psalm 145 to Psalm 150. And so like a truckload of seasoned firewood for your back porch, Let's study the psalm together today so that it will warm our hearts throughout the winter. And let's just read the psalm together, Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day will I bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works i will meditate they shall speak of the mighty the might of your awesome deeds and i will declare your greatness they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and sing aloud of your righteousness the lord is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love the lord is good to all his mercy is over all that he has made all your works shall give thanks to you o lord and all your saints will bless you they will speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power make uh, and tell of your power make and uh, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to him and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is gracious in all its ways, kind in all its works. The Lord is near to all who call on him to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and forever. I want to talk to you about three things about praise today from this Psalm first that praise isn't just for church. Praise isn't just for church. It's easy to do that, you know, to say, I do my spiritual business on Sunday. I take care of that. I get a couple of hours in there, maybe give a gift, and then, and then I try to forget it as soon as I can, and I'm on my way, and I reserve my holy language, you know, for, for, for uh, Sunday morning. Here's what the psalmist says, I will extol you, my God and King. I will bless your name forever and ever, ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. He says, I'm always going to praise you, and I'm always going to praise you every day. Praise isn't just for church. Like, here's, here's the way my dad would say it to me when we were out working on the car. He would get this really serious look on his face. 
when we were changing the oil. And he would say, Kenny, you, you need to remember that the oil is the lifeblood of the engine. Without it, the engine will die. Oh, so those are kind of ominous terms to use about automobile mechanics, but I've, I figured out later on he was really right, and it's expensive to replace cars without engines. He, they, they, he's, he said the oil is the lifeblood of the engine. What, da- what, the, what David is saying here is, is praise is the lifeblood of the soul. It isn't something that you just do on Sunday. You don't just say good things about God. You just don't say, you don't just say good things to God on Sunday. But your very life kind of depends on continually praise him, giving him continual praise. Secret thought life should be filled with praise to God. In Hebrews 13 and verses 14 and 15, it says, Here we have no continuing city, but we seek which one which is to come. And therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So this praise thing is continual. So you want to find ways to work it into your thought life, and you want to find ways to work it into your language. You don't want to be pseudo-pious about this, you know, and freak out all your friends, but you do want to have, continually have a sense of, have words of praise for God on your tongue. You're made for this. This is good for you, and it's not just for Sunday. It's like Thanksgiving, but even more powerful. And maybe you remember last week I said that Thanksgiving is powerful. One of the reasons it's powerful is because of what it displaces that you can't criticize and be thankful at the same time you can't condemn others and be thankful at the same time you can't covet and be thankful at the same time you can't complain and be thankful at the same time and that's true about praise you can't give god praise and then criticism of others at the same time you can't condemn others and praise god at the same time you can't covet things and praise god at the same time you can't complain and praise god at the same time this is powerful spend more of your time giving thanks to god and spend more of your time giving him praise which means just say good things about him and who he is a simple way of saying it would be thanksgiving is giving thanks to god for what he's done and praise is extolling him for who he is. It would be a, a simple way of saying that or what he's done for others. We have, you ever, did you ever see one of those things they put around your wrist called a Fitbit or an apparatus that measures your steps? You have one of those? And the idea is if you get up to 10,000 steps a day, you are going to live forever. That's <laughs> what they say. And you eat your vegetables like your mother told you. And if it tastes good, you don't eat it. But anyway, you put that thing on your wrist and it measures your steps. What if you had an app on your phone or if you had an apparatus that would measure your praise? It would just say, listen to this, and then those numbers would just roll. Why, this, his praise is continually, my praise is continually on his lips. And what if that same app or apparatus subtracted when you criticized or condemned or complained or said coveting words? When you got to the end of the day and you got into bed at night, what would it tell you? This is what, you know, David is saying. It's like a, a, if you want a healthy soul, you want to have your heart full of praise all the time. You want to have your tongue full of praise all the time. Praise isn't just for church. It's for every day. Second thing about praise it isn't, just so, it isn't something you just keep to yourself. It's something that you spread. As a matter of fact, in the section that we're studying here now, verses 4 through 13, a rather large 
section of this psalm, there's a theme that, that praise is kind of infectious, and it ought to be, that we want also to give uh, praise to God in such a way that other people are also pulled like in a, by a magnetic pull into that same uh, sense of, of praise to God, worth of God. And in particular, this psalm here in this section is talking about seeing to it that our children and our children's children also love and, and value our God and they see the worth of God. It would probably be good to, to notice that again. One, verse four, one generation shall commend your works to another. One generation shall commend your works to another. It's interesting here. Uh, Adoniram Judson was a Baptist missionary. He was an, obviously a very early Baptist missionary. When he came to his deathbed, they, he, he, uh, his um, uh, loved ones wrote about the attitude that he had as he came to die. It was a, it's a powerful passage in the book, and it's lengthy, so I won't read all of it to you, but there was a letter that was written that was describing his attitude and the concerns that he had as he was coming to die at the end of his life. And, 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 and they said he, he began to have very, very passionate prayers. In particular, at this time, he began to find, I'm quoting, unusual satisfaction and enjoyment in his private devotions. He seemed to have new objects of interest continually rising in his mind, each of which in turn became special objects of prayer. Among these, one of the most prominent was the conversion of his posterity, which is fancy language for that his children and that his grandchildren would know and love God. He remarked that he felt impressed with the duty of praying for their children and their children's children down to the latest generation and he also prayed most fervently that his impressions on this particular subject might be transferred to his sons and daughters and thence to their offspring so that he should ultimately meet a long unbroken line of descendants before the throne of God where all of them might together join in ascribing everlasting praises to their Redeemer don't lose sight of what really matters in this world. Knowing God and passing on the worth of God to the people that you love most in the world, your children and your grandchildren, that's what we want to be about. Notice what it says in verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another. Verse 12, make known to the children of man your mighty deeds. Verse 13, your kingdom is everlasting. Your dominion endures throughout, throughout all generations. You note how to do this when you see the verbs, particularly in verses 4 through 7. One generation will commend and will declare. And verse 5 at the end, I will meditate and speak of the might of your awesome deeds and declare. And verse 7, pour forth. And the second part of verse 7, sing. Study the verbs in there. This is what I shout about. This is what I talk about. This is what I think about. This is what I gossip about. This is what I sing about. This is my everything. You, you know, your tongue is always going to betray your heart. You know, the tongue is the dipstick of the soul, right? What you talk about is what you really love. What you value is what you talk about. And your kids hear what you say. 
and your grandkids know what you love. And this should be our aspiration and our desire, that we would see the great worth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and our King, our God and King, and that we would brag on Him, that we would boast on Him, that we would love Him so deeply that it's unmistakable to others. And why? Because of who He is, especially in verses 8 there. Notice it just starts extolling who God is. Verse 8, He's gracious, He's merciful, He's slow to anger, He's abounding in steadfast love. Do you see the cross in that? You see the cross in that. In the whole grand sweep of the story of the Bible, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He's good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works will give you thanks, O Lord, and all your saints will bless you. And how long for all generations, verse 4, verse 12, verse 13, how long do we continue to praise him? It's never going to get old. Your hobby's going to get old. Your car is going to get old. Your teeth are going to fall out. Your face is already wrinkled. Your hair is falling out. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> You're not as fast as you used to be. You don't even play thanks football Thanksgiving now. You watch Thanksgiving football now. Am I right? Yes. But he's never going to get old. You're never going to get tired of him. He's never going to go past his shelf life. You're always going to praise him. And this is going to be throughout eternity and so praise isn't something just for church. And praise isn't something you should keep to yourself, but you should spread it out to others. Let me just tell you a third thing about praise. It's not just for good times. Not just for sunny days and good times. But it's for every time. Verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling, raises up all who are bowed down. Anybody in the house bowed down today? I know you're smiling, and I know you're in church, I know you're... You dressed up a little bit. You took time to come to church, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are some heavy hearts in the house today. Some hearts that are bowed down. Things aren't the way. This wasn't your best year. You're a little confused about the future, and you're a little sad about the past. And your life is, you feel intensely that the world that you're living in is a broken world, and all that is true. So what in the world do you do when, you're, when you realize with a great intensity that your world is broken and filled with sadness and your life isn't exactly what you wish it would have been, the answer is that you praise him. Verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling, raises up those who are bowed down. You can still praise him when you stumble and when you fall and when you have needs and desires. Look in verse 15. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them food in, dear, in due season. Here's my favorite verse, maybe one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. You just open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. God, help us never to forget that God, when he opens his hand, can satisfy every desire that you have, every legitimate desire. The eyes of all look to you, verse 15. You give them food in due season and open your hand and satisfy the desires. Notice this in, in verse 15, you give them food. I would say that's a need, right? And then in verse 15, you satisfy the desire. That's a want. Isn't it that way? He gives us everything we need and lots of what we want. Praise him. Thank him. Give him thanksgiving. Give him praise with your tongue, with your song, with your life, with your lips. Here in church, everywhere else, among your family. Not just when things are good, but when you stumble and fall, 
And when you have needs and desires, I love uh, Acts 14, 17. And nevertheless, he did not leave himself without a witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filled our hearts with food and gladness. Hey, hey, most of us, let's be honest, most of us overate this weekend. And we enjoyed a luxury that a lot of people in the world have, have never really been able to enjoy. He has filled us with good things. And we can praise him when we have needs and desires. It, can I get a witness on that? Isn't that true? And God can lift you up when you're sad and when you go through heartache, he's faithful. When you have a need or desire, you can look to him. And when you have troubles and enemies, and that's true with all of us, look in verse 20. He preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. When you, when you read the Psalms, you're, you're never very far away from the acknowledgement that, that there are those who are going to oppose you, those who are going to be your enemies, who don't wish you well. And, and praise is still appropriate for that time. When you stumble and fall, when you have needs and desires, when you have enemies and opponents, praise is good for all of those times. It's not just for sunny days. It's not just for good times. And think of the example of, of Paul and Silas, right? Remember this? In the Philippian jail, and, and they're in that inner prison down in that dungeon there, and they're, they're being tortured. They're in stock. They're being tortured in the cold, wet, dark, and they, they probably don't know if they're, if they're even going to live. And what are they doing there? What are they doing there? This is amazing, right? They're doing what? They're complaining. That's what you would do. You're like, this really hurts. It, Lois, Lois you, you know, if I have the littlest ache or pain, I have to have sympathy. Is, is that not true? It's, it's okay to have pain, but, you, but that's one of the reasons we hang out, right? Sickness and in health. If you have the smallest ache, usually all night, if I'm awake, she's probably going to be awake. <laughs> probably going to be awake. You, you don't like me anymore. I, I understand, you know, I understand. This, what were Paul and Silas doing? Yeah, they were praising, singing hymns and praise. That's what it says. See, you see what I'm saying? Praise is not just for sunny days and, and for good times. Praise is especially useful when you're being tortured, when things are difficult. You know, the first pilgrims, there were how many of them? 102. And how many of them participated in the first Thanksgiving? Well, 42 of them died. And yet they still gave thanks. Almost every other one of them died. And those would have involved children and, and infants. And yet they still gave thanks. We commemorate that. Because they could praise God and give thanks to God, even in this horrific tragedy. And so we must learn to give thanks to God. Jonah, he's in the belly of the great fish. But he said, the Bible says, he cries out with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. And so if Paul can do it in the dungeon, and Jonah can do it in the belly of the great fish, we want to find our voice, and we want to give him praise, even when things are hard. Something miraculous happens in our souls when we do that. You remember when we talked about the uh, heaven cam, earth cam. How does a person see the heavenly, you know, the throne of God and the rejoicing angels when on earth they're going through such heartache? How do you shift that camera angle from earth where your heart is broken to heaven where your heart is euphoric with praise? Here's how you do it. You just start doing what they're doing in heaven. You just start giving him praise. That's how you do that. You just say good things about God. You extol his virtues. You talk about his word. You think about that, and then suddenly your camera angle shifts from earth 
earth where things are sad and broken and dark and frightening to heaven where Jesus is the king and he's on the throne. And that's what we're headed for. Years ago, I got done with my, as I got up to preach and I noticed that Lois and the family weren't there. They, they would come in another car and they didn't, didn't arrive on time. And I thought, well, they're, they're going to be late. I, uh, they, didn't, they didn't show up late. They didn't show up at all. It was in the month of May. It was a sunny day in the month of May. And I thought, well, why didn't they make it to church? All while I was preaching in my heart, I was thinking, hmm, I wonder what happened to the family. They're not here today. And then uh, I called Lois on the phone after church. I said, what happened? She said, I got stuck. I said, how did you get stuck? It's May. How do you get stuck in May? I had neglected my automobile maintenance, and I had allowed the power steering pump to burn out, and I couldn't afford to replace it. So the poor girl was trying to drive to church without power steering, and she was backing out of our driveway. She miscalculated and hung the car up on a railroad tie in the driveway. Sure enough, she was stuck in the driveway. I came home, and that frustrated me. Now we needed to get back for the evening service, and I thought, how in the world am I going to get this crazy car unstuck? And I was frustrated. I like to say I wasn't angry, but I was frustrated. And so the kids kind of backed away from me. Everybody kind of backed away. They kind of went a, a distance away. They were playing with a dog over in the yard, and they were giving me space. And I was super frustrated. Isn't it cute how we use euphemisms for anger when the story is about us? I was frustrated. I just figured, how in the world am I going to get this thing? And then I remembered somebody saying, what is it? Give me a fulcrum strong enough and a lever long enough and I will lift the world. You heard that? So I thought, hmm, yeah, right. So I, uh, I went over to the barn and I found an old cinder block or two and I put them in front of the car and then I got an old fence post. I could have torqued the front bumper off the van doing this, but it just happened to work out right. Got on the end of that and lifted up that van and my son was able to back it off of that that uh, railroad tie understand this what the psalmist is saying here is praise is like a lever that lifts heavy hearts it does what other things can't do and you might be angry you might be hurt you might be frustrated you might be discouraged you might even be guilty what you need more than any other thing it's probably just to begin to give him praise. According to the Bible, it's our duty. It's what's expected of us. If you read the Bible carefully, it's also our delight. It's what gives us joy and happiness. And if you read the Bible carefully, you see it's also not only our duty and our delight, but it's our destiny. It's what we're destined for. It's what we're made for. We're literally made for this. Listen to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. I like this. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are his own special people that you might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see, you're operating the way you were made to operate when you give him praise. And one of the reasons why our lives are so heavy and broken is because we failed in this area to give him the praise that, that he deserves. And when we get to the end of all time, as we roll into the ages of eternity, why are we gifted with 
eternity. According to Ephesians chapter 1, you have this beautiful passage in Ephesians chapter 1 that's Trinitarian, right? It mentions God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and how each of the members of the Godhead participate in our salvation. And then the purpose that, that, that it works toward is given in every one of those phrases. I'll read them to you in chapter 1 and verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. What is the purpose of his will? To the praise of his glorious grace. God the Father saved us so that we would live Jesus for the, for the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 11, in him we've obtained an inheritance. We've been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What is the counsel of his will? So that we who are the first to hope in Christ might live to the praise of his glory. Be to the praise of his glory. And then the passage talks about the Holy Spirit in verse 14, 15, who's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it so that we can give him praise forever to the praise of his glory. Praise is our duty. Praise is our delight. And praise is our destiny. And so we might as well get used to doing it now because we're going to be doing it forever. Lois and I went on a, a, a trip to the Ohio Amish country for our anniversary last year. And we found this little restaurant. It was a beautiful little restaurant, and cars were all parked around. We knew that it was good. And it had a little outdoor place to sit. And so we sat outside at this table, and we had this really nice meal on our anniversary. And something happened that I will never forget. While I was sitting there, and while I was eating with Lois, a truck pulled up, an old, well-maintained pickup truck. And in the old, well-maintained pickup truck was an old fella who got out and he walked into the restaurant to make a delivery. He didn't walk fast, but he did have a bit of a spring in his step. His hair was white and his face was wrinkled and he whistled while he walked into the restaurant. Just whistled. And he whistled all the way into the restaurant. And I noticed that there was an old guy with white hair walking slow with a wrinkled face, but he whistled when he walked into the restaurant. And I waited and after a while he came back out again and he had that spring in his step when he got down off the step the first step he made his way out to his truck and he whistled all the way and i thought while i was sitting there it's frustrating when you get a little bit older you can't run anymore and you can't even walk as well as you used to walk you can't do the things that you used to do but you can be better at giving him praise and i'm never going to quit doing that in all of my life no matter what i go through i'm always going to give him praise i love this song by Fernando Ortega, and the song is called, I Will Praise Him Still. I asked Pat if he would come, and he would sing this song. Here's the, how this song goes. Um, when the morning falls on the farthest hills, I will sing his name. I will praise him still. When dark trials come, and my heart is filled with a weight of doubt, I will praise him still. 